When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Sleepover Cinema, where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of those who had Hot Topic bookmarked on Safari in 2007. I'm Hannah Leach. And I'm Audrey Leach. We are the sister filmmaking duo, also known as Two Pink Pictures, and we haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them. We're going to explore the good, the bad, and the nonsensical of the movies that first inspired our love for film in an attempt to answer the question, are these movies actually good? And at the end of the day, do we really care if they are? Today, we are talking about 2007's Sweeney Todd. Attend the tale of Sweeney Todd. These are desperate times. Desperate measures are called for. All right! You, sir! No one's in the chair. Come on, come on! Sweeney's waiting. I want you, bleeders. You, sir! To, sir. Welcome to the grave. I will have vengeance. I will have salvation. Okay, so... We're back on video at last. Um, And you're probably wondering, where the hell are these broads? And the answer is we are sitting on the floor of our bathroom at the lovely Scottsdale Plaza Resort (laughs) and Hotel or something. Where we um, are here representing for Evergreen Podcasts. Uh, We did a live episode last night that you will actually get to hear next week. Very excitingly. Um, And we're vibing. We both have our handheld mics. Yeah. Echoes aren't a problem. We out here vibing. We're truly (laughs) out here vibing 100%. And we have a thematic seasonal even movie for today. 2007 Sweeney Todd. I'm really excited to talk about this one. I hadn't seen it in a really long time, but we'll get into that. Um, Audrey, how are you? I'm good, <laughs> but I don't like Sweeney Todd. Sorry. <laughs> I, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. I, I'm glad we did it personally. Yeah. Um, We're going to get into some. There's a lot to talk about. Perhaps a physical altercation. (laughs) Finally, we'll have a reason to beat the shit out of each other. We've been jonesing for it for too long. Okay. So, should we get into the facts? Yeah. Okay. So, Sweeney Todd was released on December 21st, 2007. Some alternative holiday fare for those who um, don't want to feel warm and fuzzy on Christmas. This movie was directed by Tim Burton and anyone 
everyone knows who Tim Burton is, but he directed or was at least known for his involvement in Edward Scissorhands, Nightmare Before Christmas, Corpse Bride, Willy Wonka, the one with Johnny Depp, Beetlejuice, and all the really big budget over the top Disney Alice in Wonderlands of like the past 15 years or so, Big Fish, Dark Shadows, etc. And he's known for his really specific visual style. He works in live action and with animation, which is cool. Um, and I feel like, well, he's gotten some flack over the recent years about how his movies are like 100% white. And I guess that someone was like, why is that? And he was like, I just didn't imagine black people in the movies that I make. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of one of those things where it's like, uh, I think he might, he, it's one of those filmmakers where it's like, I don't think I want to see his take. No. But there is simple, like, Cinderella-esque, like, colorblind casting that you can do. Right, and it's right, not, right, right. you don't have to be making a statement about non-white people or any of that shit. Right. Um, you simply just don't have to cast all white people. It's not that hard. Yeah, it's not that hard. It's <laughs> like, not that hard. Jesus. Um, but, no, he was instead hell-bent on casting the entirety of um, the evil wizards from the Harry Potter franchise instead. Yeah, he's got his priorities. <laughs> he clearly, clearly, clearly loves British people. Oh, yeah. Well, because they're like, well, his type of British person is a very like austere, gaunt yeah. kind of scary, scary person. Yeah. It's funny that, too, like he imagines just like angry white, sad, angry British white people like that is like, like that's his, his vision. That's on brand. his vision board. <laughs> you know what, though? He does his specific thing very well, I will say. So the first producer of... Sweeney Todd is Richard D. Zanuck, and he is most known for producing Jaws, um, Driving Miss Daisy, Cocoon, Damn. and Deep Impact. Damn. Okay, Richard. Um, and then the other producers of the movie, I mean, there was like seven listed, but the, these are just like the primary ones, um, are Walter Parks and Lori McDonald, who are a producing duo, and they are known for their work on War Games, Men in Black, The Kite Runner, Speakers. Um, the 2004 series of unfortunate events movie. And they are also producing the upcoming Greta Gerwig Barbie movie, which we're all waiting for. Uh, intrigued. Yeah. Intrigued. What's like indie Barbie? Like, how does that even make sense? Yeah. I don't really know how that's going to work, but like more power to them, I suppose. Okay. And then, so then now we're getting into the, uh, written by category. So the screenplay was written by John Logan, who wrote Skyfall, The Aviator, Gladiator, Penny Dreadful, Hugo, and Rango. The fact that he wrote Hugo and Rango was weird to me. Um, Why? Because they came out around the same time and the names are almost exactly the same. Coincidence. I know. I just, it makes me feel weird inside for some Well, Well, Johnny Depp, that's, like with yes. Rango. Like these make sense to me. You've got They're all in the same like series of unfortunate events is stylistically similar. Rango, yes. you know, yes, like yes, it makes yes. sense. It's true. It does make sense. Um, and then obviously the musical Sweeney Todd was written by Stephen Sondheim and Hugh Wheeler, and they won a Tony for best musical for this show in 1979, which is just like funny because as we were remarking about or remarking on earlier, like the Tonys are so absurd to me all award shows are insane and when you really think about it barrier of entry is impossibly yeah. high with with the tony so it's like best musical it's like okay there's like 10 shows on broadway that are new or something like or that aren't like the lion king like how 
I just find it to be really self-congratulatory even more than other award shows, but whatever. So they won a Tony for it. And then Hugh Wheeler had a few credits, but mostly didn't do a ton, but he wrote the book for a few big musicals. Um, And then Stephen Sondheim obviously is like one of the giants of the musical theater genre. He wrote Into the Woods, West Side Story, or he didn't, not like 100%, but he either composed or did lyrics for Into the Woods, West Side Story, A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum, Gypsy, Bette Midler, LOL, Company, Follies, Merrily We Roll Along, and Sunday in the Park with George. So, and he's kind of known for like- Wordy shows. Wordy shows, really intense musical choices, and also like not picking subject matter that's like all sunshine and rainbows. Like it's very like, if you love Sondheim, like you think you're deep. yeah. You may not necessarily be deep, but you think. But I'll let you have it. Yes, we'll let them have it. (laughs) Okay, Audrey. Okay, so the plot synopsis is a little longer than usual. So here's the first bad one. The infamous story of Benjamin Barker, a.k.a. Sweeney Todd, who sets up a barbershop in London, which is the basis for a sinister partnership with his fellow tenant, Mrs. Lovett. It's like badly worded. It's a run on (laughs) sentence, but that's the one from IMDb. Yeah, the people that write those, they're not real. It's not like the real plot synopsis. And then the second one is Evil Judge Turpin, played by Alan Rickman, lusts for the beautiful wife of a London barber, played by Johnny Depp, and transports him to Australia for a crime he did not commit. Returning after 15 years and calling himself Sweeney Todd, the now madman vows revenge, applying his razor to unlucky customers and shuttling the bodies down to Mrs. Lovett, played by Helena Bonham Carter, who uses them in her meat pie shop. Though many fall to his blade, he will not be satisfied until he slits Turpin's throat. Comprehensive. Okay, they kind of spoiled it. <laughs> <laughs> Did spoil it a little bit. Jeez. But, you know, I thought it was well written, so I had to put it there. And then taglines. We have four. I can just see these on like a billboard totally. or something like that. The first one is never forget, never forgive. That's not very specific. (laughs) The second one is beware. Sweeney Todd is coming this Christmas. (laughs) And the third one is Johnny Depp is the barber. I can never say her name. Helena Bonham Carter is the baker. Yes. What's with Sondheim and bakers? Good question. He's really into (laughs) rustic shit, I guess. into bakers. Rustic. I I think that bakers are inherently (laughs) rustic. I don't know why. Also, I like that we are leaning into the My Chemical Romance pronunciation of Helena Bonham Carter's name. Because I think oh. she pronounces it Helena, oh. but let's just call her Helena. She's Helen- Helena. Yeah, 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 yeah. Helena. They're different. They're slightly different, but I yeah. think that the My Chemical Romance reference is also very appropriate for this <laughs> yeah, episode. Yeah, we'll, we'll say Helena. Yeah, uh, because the theme of this movie is revenge, really. And that's yeah. so much of what MCR's music is about, too. So, And it's like emo shit. Like, it's all shit you find in Hot Topic. Like, it all feels yeah. connected to me. Okay, so now we're getting into the cast. So obviously, it goes without saying, we have Johnny Depp as Sweeney Todd. Johnny Depp is like the crown prince of Tim Burton's body of work. Um, he clearly loves working with him and vice versa. Johnny Depp's like standing as like a good or bad person seems to be very up in the air right now. I don't really know enough about it to talk about it, but obviously he's made a big impact on the sleepover cinema genre for better or for worse. Um, But the movies he's best known for being in obviously are Pirates of the Caribbean, Tim Burton, like all the Tim Burton shit, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them as Grindelwald, 
Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Finding Neverland, Sleepy Hollow, What's Eating Gilbert Grape, and the 21 Jump Street TV series, which was like his first big thing. That's all we have to say about him. We know who he is. Then we have Helena Bonham Carter as Mrs. Lovett. She is best known for Sweeney Todd, Les Mis, Fight Club, The King's Speech, and The Crown, as well as being Bellatrix Lestrange in the Harry Potter franchise and being in just like a ton of Tim Burton projects in general. She also was Tim Burton's partner from, I believe, 2003 to 2014. So that's kind of an interesting uh, thing to keep in mind when you think about the roles she's played in his movies. And I think they have kids together and everything. So sad that they're not together anymore because they seem like kind of a perfect couple, but you know, it happens. Next up, we have Alan Rickman as Judge Turpin. Alan Rickman is just Snape, mostly, um, but he also was in Die Hard, Robin Hood, Love Actually, and a ton of other English things I'd never heard of. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Like he has given so much to us. I really, really love him. And he's great in this movie, despite being in one of the grossest roles to ever exist. Next up, we have the man himself. Wait, it, I mean, yeah, I guess I want grossest roles to ever exist. I mean, the I stuff guess so. the stuff he does is really bad. Yeah, they really play down how bad it is, though, in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, we'll get to that because in the stage show, it's like really disturbing. Anyway, next up, we have Timothy Spall, who I love as the Beatle. He is Peter Pettigrew. Obviously, he also is the sidekick in Enchanted. He kind of always plays the same character, like very English, very mousy sidekick, mousy sidekick, like characterized as ugly a lot of the time. But he is the man for those roles. He also plays like the main guy in Mr. Turner. He was in Secrets and Lies, Vanilla Sky. And apparently he's Mr. Poe in the 2004 Mm -hmm. series of Unfortunate Events which I didn't remember. And then next up we have Sasha Baron Cohen as Pirelli. He is Borat. He was Ali G on the 11 o'clock show. He also was in the Les Mis musical adaptation as the husband to Helena Bonham Carter. They're the Tenardiers. Wow, I wiped that from my memory. Uh-huh. Jesus, that's bad. They were not that great. Oh, God. He was also in the Brothers... The Brothers Grimsby, The Spy, Who is America, Bruno. He's like one of those, like, I fully immersed in actors. Yeah, but like not in the same way as Timothy Spall. No, because he has more control over his work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he makes his own work. Yeah. Um, and then we have not to dig at Timothy Spall, though. Maybe he makes his own work. (laughs) Timothy Spall seems very old school to me, though. Next up, we have Jamie Campbell Bower as Anthony. He plays. Caius, Caius in Twilight, like the later Twilight movies. He's like one of the evil vampires, I think. I got nothing. Neither of us know enough about that to really confirm. Um, And he apparently is going to be in the next season of Stranger Things, according to his IMDb. And he also uh, is a recurring character in Thomas the Tank Engine. So he's been in a shitload of Thomas the Tank Engine. And then we have two more. We have Jane Wisner as Joanna. She was Bessie in Jane Eyre. She was in Misfits. And Sweeney Todd was her on-screen premiere. And then last but not least, we have Edward Sanders as Toby, who seems to have essentially gotten out of show business as he exited his childhood, which is really a running theme of our episodes lately. Um, he seems like a theater kid. Yes. He's probably just not bothered. His voice was great. Yeah. Yes. Definitely not bothered. Okay. So the budget for Sweeney Todd was $50 million approximately. Box office opening weekend, 9305805 
And the overall worldwide gross is 153,383,627. I'm actually, I'm impressed by that. I know, me too. I didn't think it really had the draw, honestly. Same. (laughs) And then as far as critic reviews, there's an 86% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes. And that's really nice. I know. I was so surprised. Um, The critical consensus is full of pith and grand... No idea. Gugnall grossness. This macabre musical is perfectly helmed and highly entertaining. Tim Burton masterfully stages the musical in a way that will make you think he has done this many times before. Um, And then we have some more critic comments here. Mm -hmm. The first one is, without any warmth and humor at all, how are you meant to care? I'm not saying you always have to care about someone in a movie. Not at all. But here the story is so ludicrous that unless you can, why bother? The second one is, it keeps getting bloodier by the scene, yet remains curiously engaging. And the third one is... More visually stunning than musically memorable, but it nevertheless presents a grandly ghastly tale of love and retribution in a style unlike any before it. Okay, there's a part of me that agrees with the first review. I agree. I I mean, I don't hard agree, but I feel like, well, well, we're going to get into it, but I feel like if it was just 15 to 10% campier, this wouldn't apply, but because it's played pretty straight, yeah, it's a little, a little boring. Yeah, we'll get back to that. <laughs> and then the audience score was eighty-one percent, and I tried to pull some interesting reviews, but basically everyone loved it, or people were just like, "I hate musicals," which yeah. is like such a classic thing that always comes up. But yeah, I think one thing that's also interesting regarding that review where they talk about how it seems as if he's like staged musicals a million times before is that he originally like didn't want to work on the project because it was a musical. He was like, I don't know. Like, I don't really think this is a thing I'll be good at. And also of course, Stephen Sondheim had been like super territorial about it and like didn't want it to be adapted into anything. But apparently when Tim Burton was in college, he went and saw a performance of it and was like, like he went back three days in a row and was like, this is it. Like I love this and like thought it was super cinematic even from the get-go so it's kind of a great collaboration for what it is yeah I mean a murderous barber who sings it seems like a perfect choice Edward Scissorhands literally it's basically (laughs) it's like if Edward Scissorhands ended up being evil yeah that's kind of what it's like but okay so 2007 Okay, so I guess for me, like a little bit of cultural context I would want to give to this is that this movie came out in 2007, which was very much still in the thick of like the commercial emo, like hot topic, big moment, Um, at least for me. I know that I was really attracted to this show because I really liked dark and spooky things. I was into Tim Burton and things of that nature. And I was also a theater kid. So I was like trying to somehow be into like the spookiest musicals that existed. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like why we liked Phantom also or why I liked Phantom also. And there's a lot of things I remember about this movie from childhood. Yeah. Well, okay. So my history with it was that I didn't, I didn't really care to get involved. I don't know why with the soundtrack or the movie or anything. I think cause it was bloody and I just, it's funny cause now I'm not, I'm not scared of gore at all. Like mm-hmm. gore, I can watch any gory movie. 
It does not scare me. Okay. Um, with the horror movies and stuff, it's more it's more like the psychological stuff. Yeah. That's what scares me. I also just hate, kind of hate jump scares. Like I'm just like yeah. I know it's coming, but it still gets me, you know. So, but I have a good story. Okay. Because Chris, who we always bring up, <laughs> hi, about Chris, hi Chris, too. hi Chris. Um, I know for a fact that one time when you and Chris were dating in eighth grade, yeah. you watched Sweeney Todd in our talk basement. About this too. And I was so skeptical of like the entire situation. It's so funny now. Like I was just like a protective, you know, yeah. do you not remember this? No, I literally was oh. going to talk about it too. Cause I remember um, it really well. And again, this is the friend with the bump on his head from Twilight, who loved Devil Wears Prada, who was the international correspondent for Bendit Lake Beckham. Like, yeah. this is the guy we always talk about. But I went downstairs to, like, creep on you. That's I what I, you... I'm I, sure, I, I know that. I've said it before. Yeah. But, yeah, I, like, went downstairs to, like, see what was going on, I guess, because I didn't know. I just... I was not reading the room at the time. <laughs> It, it was definitely the first time I, I ever had like a boy over in sixth in grade. That sense, yeah, I was literally eleven. Oh my god! But um, I went down, and the way that our basement was formatted, it was really easy to go down the stairs really quietly because it was a new house, so there was no creaking. Yeah, you could like sneak anywhere, you know. Yeah. So I like came down the stairs. You were watching the movie already, and I think he had his arm around you. Yes, and I like. Cr- poked my head around the corner and I was like scandalized, but I didn't stay there for long. It was maybe like a minute. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) That's funny. I remember that really, really well too, because not only was that the first time that I was allowed to have a boy over in that sense, but also, um, it was the first R rated movie I was ever allowed to watch. Yeah. So the maturation was really (laughs) just a huge part of this whole experience. I have literally so many levels of depth to the cringe that I could share right now. And I literally can't even decide like how deep to go. (laughs) You have to say something. Okay. I'm just going to go for it. Chris (laughs) is going to hate this though. So I remember we were sitting on the couch and we were watching the movie and like, I, it was eighth grade. Right. So we were not like trying to really make physical contact no. like by any means, but we were like, like his arm around me or whatever. And then we like, so, <laughs> we were like under this sleeping bag, like my sleeping bag that I still have to this day. This is really cringy. You have oh, to get no. ready. We might not even put yeah. it in if it's too bad. It's not that bad though. It's not about touching. Um, So Chris used to wear like a shitload of cologne yeah. or like whatever, like body spray. I don't even know. And when he left later that night, like, oh, the sleeping oh, yeah. bag still smelled like him yes. and I slept with the sleeping bag because I thought it smelled good <laughs> and I remember trying to like preserve the scent like I not actively that. girl I actually remember that I, I remember that like various items in our basement would smell like um like Chris like yeah very you know like the boys like did wear come over yeah. and they would smell yeah but it smelled good yes I remember that because Shane did it too yeah like Literally all gays now. It was crazy. Who's surprised? The yeah. amount of gays we had in our basement over the, <laughs> over the years. It's like in the dozens. It's easily in the dozens. Easily. <laughs> there's a picture from my like senior year birthday. And I literally think that there's one straight boy yeah. in the entire image. Maybe two. <laughs> and there were like, it was like half girls, half boys. And we were like in suburban Ohio. Mm-hmm. And you look at even the girls now too. Like a lot of the, there, mo- some of the girls are straight, but like there's a decent amount that aren't. 
necessarily. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm still waiting on more developments yeah. in that category. I don't think everyone's out who uh, will be eventually. <laughs> but that's just my opinion. Okay. What else? Oh, I'm looking at my list. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So there was also this thing, which was that when you're in middle school and you're in theater, you like try to pick songs that you don't, you're supposed to pick the songs based off what will sound good and like what makes sense for the show. But of course, when you're in middle school, everything is about like your identity and like your personal like taste. And so like, I am certain that I've seen Chris sing my friends for like an I audition. literally don't know the music enough to when know. He's like, the part where Sweeney Todd has the blades and he's like, no, now my friends, <laughs> oh, that you will drip rubies. I that don't part, know the music. Oh God. No, I'm sure I saw that. And I know that I sang By the Sea one time and that song is so fucking hard and I'm not a... I'm not a mezzo at all. Mm-hmm. And it was so bad. I also say nothing's going to harm you for something. It's just like, it reminds me of that a lot. Yeah. Um, and, and we yeah. also saw a production of it. Hannah's seen apparently two. I've seen two. But I know that we saw one together. And I remember when we walked in, it had, you know, sometimes you go to a musical and it'll say like, warning, there's blank, blank, and blank used yeah. in this show. Like be aware, like, like um, blanks yeah. or... um strobes or whatever and it had and blood and it had one of those warnings and I was like oh shit and we were sitting in like the second row yeah so the whole time I was like really tense like I was waiting for it yeah so I have to say it lends itself to theater so well like it's such a strong concept for theater and it's really fun to see in person it's way darker in person though it's like kind of like especially with the judge character there's so much really creepy shit that gets cut Mm -hmm. um which we will get to, I guess, in the next half. And I will also just say I have to give a shout out to our mom really fast because this show, this musical kind of applies. There's this concept that mom said to me one time that really stuck with me, which was so we did Les Mis in high school and we were like into it very unironically. Like we all took it really seriously and like whatever. And mom came and saw it and she said, that she laughed when Gavroche gets shot. Yeah. She's a little kid. And I was like, mom, how could you laugh at that? That's not funny. And she was like, it's funny because the worst possible thing that could happen just happens over and over again. And it becomes absurd after a while. And I feel like that applies to Sweeney Todd extremely. Yeah, but I think it works a lot better in Sweeney Todd because um, it's not so uh, earnest. Like there's, there's something stylistically going on there. Yeah. It's not like, no, like genuinely the worst shit is happening and and you genuinely need to feel that entire range of emotion. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like with Sweeney Todd, it's like, you don't need, because so much bad shit is going on, you Mm -hmm. actually can't. Yeah. You like can't feel all of that. Like if you were feeling every single person getting murdered, you'd be like dead on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. And then also just a little bit of context, which is that, so this is not, technically based on a real person who existed, but um, apparently there's lots of like urban legend that Sweeney Todd was like a real guy. Um, And especially if you ever go to London and you do like ghost tours and stuff, they will capitalize on that shit till the cows come home. But it's fun to think that it may have been real just in like the ooh, spooky. Why? How were they even saying that, that it was real? (laughs) Um, 
Like, what's the, what like, what are the receipts? On? Yeah. Well, basically, there's like a, there was a character in like a Mark Twain story, and I think it's called like the Pickwick Papers or something. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so they're saying like that he might have based that on something? Yeah, basically, there's like a bunch of, there's, there's different iterations of this character in like a bunch of different media, but they all are from like about the same time ish. So people are like, it it's like, yeah, it's like an amalgamation of like yeah. urban legends, yeah. kind of. It's like Bigfoot being real, basically. Yeah. Okay. So this movie is a little hard to find, <laughs> but it is available. It's hard to find for free, but uh, it's available to rent on Amazon if you want to do that. And I'm on YouTube also, I think. I mean, it's not actually hard to find for free. <laughs> Just well, do what you, you do. Know how to do it. <laughs> if you know how to do it, you can find it. Yeah. Um, I don't know how you do what you do. I'll never tell. (laughs) Never. Okay, so go watch Sweeney Todd, get ready for an experience, and meet us back here where we will unpack our findings. You've watched them in unforgettable adventures love affairs and tragedies now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories from the makers of death of a rock star and death of a sports star this is death of a film star starring heath ledger marilyn monroe chadwick boseman robin williams carrie fisher and bruce lee Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs. Okay. We are back, and it is time to talk about Sweeney Todd. I am so excited because my brain was on when I was watching this shit. So let's start with the good things, shall we? Or, yeah. Yes. I, and this is a movie where I actually did write a notable category. Ooh, okay. So did I. Um, so we could start with that. Okay. Instead. That sounds good. Okay. So let's start with notable instead. So, um, I, I was actually watching this on the plane to Arizona. So, and I was like kind of loopy actually. (laughs) So this is just what I was thinking when I was watching it. Um, I don't know why, but I never really registered Sweeney Todd as being Sondheim. Like Mm -hmm. ideologically, Mm -hmm. I just didn't, I don't know the music well enough. If you hear the music and you know Sondheim, you know, it's him. Yeah. So as I was listening, I was like, oh, this is like not necessarily what I was expecting because mm-hmm. I just forgot. Um, the uh, the girl who plays Joanna has the Amanda Seyfried Les Mis affectation. Yes, but she's better. <laughs> yeah, she's better. But I see so many, so many correlations between yeah. Les Mis and Sweeney Todd. There are a lot. Like there's, there, like a, there's a big overlap in the Venn diagram. Yeah. I thought the same thing. And it's mostly because due to time period and place um but like it's funny and I relationships yeah like it's just similar yeah I like I was saying that 
Joanna is a Cosette-Eponine-Fontine mixture. Yes. She looks like Cosette. She's, at one point, dresses as a boy like Eponine. Yeah. And she goes through hair prostitution like Fontine. (laughs) So it's just funny. Like, as I was watching, I was like, what the fuck? Like, I was like, how did they get all three? I'm pretty sure that they came out at really similar times. They did. Yeah. It out. doesn't. You know it I does mean. not seem like a show that was written in the seventies. To me, it does. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Period. <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess so. But it's not like the same way that you can really tell Phantom is written in the eighties. Yeah, but a lot, of, a lot of that is just the scoring. Sondheim's also, I don't know if Phantom was released in the eighties. Wasn't. I don't. I keep saying released, premiered. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know that a hundred percent, but it's definitely 80s. It has that vibe. Yeah. yeah, yeah like yeah. 80s it's vibes. It's late 70s, early 80s. And the wigs yeah. and just everything. Yeah. Um, like the, the production of that, that music, so, like the main song, Phantom. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, those. Sweet guitar lift. Mm-hmm. Lift. Riff. <laughs> yes. Lick and riff. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> you good? Barely. I'm barely hanging on over here. <laughs> um, that's it. That's it for notable. Okay. My notable things I don't have a lot but my first one is that as I began to watch it I realized that when I was a kid and I watched this movie I definitely definitely interpreted this without a shred of irony or camp like I remember thinking genuinely thinking that like Sweeney Todd's like or like like Benjamin's like origin was like like deserved the way he was acting like I actually felt really bad for him and like it's not that I don't, but we'll get to that a little more later, I think. But I was just like, oh wow, like this really this story is kind of bananas. And I took it very literally when I was a kid. And then I also just wanted to say that one thing I've noticed over time, just because I did see a couple productions of this, and this is like common knowledge, but there was like a whole other Judge Sherpin solo in the stage show that is like extremely disturbing. Do you remember it? Nope. So in the story, Judge Turpin like had banished Sweeney Todd so he could like abduct his wife and like sexually assault her and like whatever else he did. It's kind of unclear, at least in the movie. And then he like keeps Sweeney Todd and his wife's daughter the judge keeps Joanna and basically decides when she turns 16 that he's like gonna marry her. But it's extremely creepy. And in the stage show, there's this whole song where he's like literally like drooling over her and like, like lusting after her. And then he's like whipping himself and like speaking in like Latin. It's really disturbing. Oh, it's like the the number from uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame, yeah, yeah, yeah. but like times Hellfire four. Hellfire. Yeah. Yeah. The Ave Maria. Jesus. You know, I am a righteous man. I mean, Honestly, I, I could kill that song. I kind of appreciate Sort of that 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 musicals could even get address car. something like that, um, but I guess intention, intent, and I don't know. It's interesting to think about. Yeah, I'm kind of on the fence about it because it feels a little bit more like a spectacle than like an actual like, like dissection. Yeah, um, and it is in a Broadway show, yeah. like it is in a show. Yeah. It was really disturbing when I saw it on stage. I remember being really impacted by it because I didn't know it was coming. Yeah. Um, and it's really, 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 really creepy. So I'm honestly glad that they cut it because... Good. I mean, that was never going to make it anyway. 
into a movie. Yeah. With Johnny Depp. Well, and it's also so, um, there's lots of like crying and like whipping himself. Like it's like a whole ass thing. Like Alan Rickman. No, we don't need him to do that. Okay. That was my notable category. So let's get into the good things. I literally have two notes. Damn. Okay, go. Sorry. <laughs> two of those stands out there. One, I miss Alan Rickman. Done. Uh, <laughs> two, Sondheim by Tim Burton is so much better than Sondheim by Disney. I yes. never, ever, 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 ever want to see another attempt by Disney. Yeah. Uh, that's its own thing. But with... um. A show like Sweeney Todd, you need someone with extremely strong directorial vision. Yes. That's Tim Burton, yes. like in every sense of the word. Like, yes. you know, if you think Tim Burton, Wes Anderson, people that have really, really, really strong visual styles. Yeah. Um, and so it matched really well. And it doesn't even matter if it's a good movie or a bad movie. At least it tried something. Yes. Like there's Choices nothing worse than a middle of the road. We're going to cater to everyone on the planet. Disney ass version of a musical. <laughs> like yeah. it doesn't work. Yeah. It, and I know it's because they're a business. That's all they care about. They truly, you know, the creatives, no matter what they want to do, it's not their call ultimately. Yeah. So I like that. I like that choices were made. Choices were made. That is absolutely true. Okay, so I'm looking at my good, and a lot of it is actually more questions than good things, but... I also really liked wardrobe. Wardrobe was excellent. Yeah, Totally agreed. I said this to Audrey yesterday when we were kind of talking about what we were going to talk about, which a rare occurrence, mm. um, but how I really... I don't think Helena Bonham Carter's singing was good. Like, it's obviously, not. this part was popularized by literally Patty Lupone. How are you going to, like... Lupone. <laughs> like, I just don't get, like, this... This choice is, like, obviously the most Tim Burton choice you yeah. could possibly make. And um, she looks... You know, she looks very gothic, blah, blah, blah. Like, aesthetically, it fits. But she actually doesn't fit the role that much. Well, so, mm, I agree. Yeah. But what I was going to say is, I actually really was super interested in like the complexity that she gave it, but it almost was like, it like made it too deep. Like it made the movie too deep for me sort of. And I have a bunch of questions kind of surrounding that. Um, what but, do you mean by too deep? Like she was bringing up nuances of this character that traditionally are not brought. Yes. Or like they're not as significant. Like it made me want her to be the main character. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. I actually don't give a shit about anyone except her. Yeah. In the whole movie. So I have the questions and I'm going to ask them, but before I get to the questions, I just also want to say that my favorite sequence of the whole movie is, um, when, Sweeney Todd is singing the song about Joanna, like not meeting his expectations while he's like murdering people. Like, Will she be beautiful and fair with yellow hair like her? And then like kills a dude and then he like drops down. I loved that sequence. It felt like quintessential Tim Burton and the song is really good there. Um, So I really loved that part. It made me smile. And it was because it's the only part of the movie that has a sense of humor, like actually has yeah. a sense of humor is that sequence. Also by the sea has a good sense of humor. Mm -hmm. But again, all of this shit is pretty close to the end. Yeah. So it's like, I wish that we had gotten that a little sooner. It's really bottom heavy. Yeah. Um, okay. I'll save my Mrs. Lovett questions for our deep section. So let's just go to bad right now. Okay. So I thought that because I don't know the music of Sweeney Todd that, 
that well. I couldn't really judge how shitty the vocals were compared to Broadway. Mm -hmm. I know they're shitty compared to Broadway. Yes. Except there's a few exceptions like the kid, that boy, he really genuinely sounded like a live theater performer. Uh Like he was great. Um, Joanna was good, you know, Um, but just something about the light, the really light soprano where they're like not putting enough into it. I'm like, okay. Yeah. The ingenue teenager thing. Yeah. Yeah. But I still felt regardless of how rough the vocals were, they were selling it. You know, they were selling it like a character actor would. Yeah. I said, this is one of those musicals where my brain just won't grasp what is happening plot wise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it yeah, just, yeah. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I get that. I totally get that. Um, I said, I think, I just think it's boring compared to Into the Woods. Yes. There's a lot less going on. I think there's also a lot less like, because Johnny Depp and Helena play them so like understatedly, there's like less to take in. Yeah. Because in like by the sea, for example, how it's like her being all colorful and him being like super like womp womp. That's like way more of a dynamic in the stage show. And it's not yeah. really that much like it's not that big of a thing. No, which in the movie. makes sense partly because they are on film and yeah. like you got to tone it down. But um, yeah, 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 I just kind of felt that. I said a lot less varied in setting than I had previously <laughs> assumed. Yes. Like, why is the whole movie in two rooms, basically? Like, there's there's a few moments where you get to leave. Yeah. But they- That's pretty Tim Burton-y, though, I feel. Um, I guess, but it was so barren. Like, yeah. the room where he kills people is extremely barren, which also, I get it, that makes sense. Why would he have stuff, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but, like, but, like, it got stagnant. You think so? For me, it did. I said violence doesn't happen until almost the midpoint, which is true. Like nothing that I don't know. I just, it really keeps you waiting for the violence until it's like kind of over. And then it happened. A ton happens like all at once. Yeah. I would expect the shots and cinematography to be more varied than they are. Mm -hmm. It was pretty standard coverage. Sometimes it almost felt like a pro shoot of a show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I was like, mm, it's not giving cinema. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For me. <laughs> Sometimes, but it had good shots too. And then finally pacing. Like the meat, the idea of making meat pies out of the people he kills is introduced an hour and 10 minutes in. Yeah. And it's 2 hours long. And it's 2 hours. Yeah, like there's a you know, lot of top. there's a lot of stalling in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of stalling, and I think in I don't know what freedoms he had or didn't have to make. Like, what could he do? Mm-hmm. But as a film, I think there could have been some changes made to of order. Yeah, I think I I totally agree with you. I also think that like he would have gotten yelled at by someone no matter what he did. Oh yeah, you know, definitely. Yeah. I just always like on this show. I always want to talk about how it can be best applied to the medium of film. Yeah. And like, yeah, you're never going to make everyone happy. Right. So, and there will always be the theater snobs who are like, he changed everything. Like, fuck right. this guy. Right. But when you have both, mm-hmm. like we care about both mediums. Yes, we do care about both. It's true. So, I and I, honestly, at the end of this whole thing of us covering musicals, it's like, can we just not do this <laughs> unless it is written for film yeah or it lends itself so well to it that it's like blatant it's like obvious it should happen yeah don't do it but also like bad movie musicals are what makes the world go around like they're so fun I know but I just 
I don't like that everybody gets to misinterpret the meaning of a show <laughs> or like that everybody's like, yeah, gets to take it out of context in such an extreme way to the point where they can't like the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's great that the masses get to see something with a high barrier of entry. Right. That is good. Right. I don't know. It's, yeah. It's, yeah, I don't know either. Any other bad things you'd like to share? Nope. Okay. For me, the first shot of the movie or like the first like people featuring shot of the movie where it's Anthony being like, there's no place like London. And then Sweeney Todd's like, he like shifts into the shot and is like, there's no place like London. I was like, is this serious? Like, I felt like that shot was so funny. And then it like kind of never goes there again. I was like, what am I even watching? Like, this is so weird. So that was strange to me. And the environment is so fake too. Yeah, but that's also very Tim Burton. Oh, I know. Yeah. But I'm just saying like for it to be like shot wise inconsistent. Yeah. I think I think it kind of was. I didn't notice. It needs like a point of view. Yeah. I couldn't see shit in this movie a lot of the time. It's really dark. <laughs> that Maybe was, your brightness was not. I, I didn't just it issue. constantly. <laughs> the problem was I was taking notes on one side of my iPad and that was pretty bright. And then the movie was on the other side. Oh. So if it was bright, it was going to be like brighter you than the sun. watched it on half of this screen? Only for part. Oh, dang. Yeah. That's very uncinematic. <laughs> it was not a cinematic experience. I hate to say it, but it's true. The whole movie is just very Hollywoodified, like with the casting yeah. choices. Like, but honestly, like the singing is pretty good for it being so Hollywoodified, except for Helena. But I think other choices she makes kind of make up for it. She really made the part her own, which I appreciate. I was really surprised that the thing that like actually kicked the plot into overdrive was, or like that made him actually decide to start killing people was that he like almost killed the judge and then didn't. I was like, wait, that's the inciting incident of this whole thing. Like, mm -hmm. and that was like halfway through. That was just super weird yeah. to me. I was like, is that, is that where intermission would have been? There's no way that's where intermission would have been because he definitely would have had to kill someone. Well, there's earlier. so many. There's like music cut, so we don't really know where it naturally would fall. Like yeah. I think that's messing with pacing too. Yeah, I agree for sure. Um, I thought that Toby's acting was pretty bad, but his singing was, that the was kid? good. Yeah, yeah, he was very much lip syncing, just lip syncing. Yeah. Um, I also just find it weird that um that Sweeney Todd is literally like silent until he's singing. I'm like, how can you be a silent character and then have enough emotion that you're singing? Like, mm -hmm. I guess it works, but I'm just kind of like, I wish this dude had like, even just like a shred more personality. Like that would be good. Um, and also, I mean, yeah, like, are, are we actually not meant, are we actually not meant to care for him? Or are we meant to care for him? Because I, I don't, I don't. It's unclear. It's very <laughs> unclear. And then really my last thing I want to say under bad, and this is a good bad note really, is when they're singing like God That's Good or whatever the song is, where they're like singing about like who they're going to cook into pies and they're like waltzing. There are just some really aggressive swivel shots. Did you notice those? Where they're like, I don't think that's what it's actually called, but they're very clearly standing on a platform mm -hmm. that's turning and they're like dancing, but their heads are like incredibly stable. Like it looks like they're like in like a Chris, like a, like a window display at like a department store, like the way that they're spinning. I just found that to be really funny. 
Yeah, well, it's weird. It's like weird because they'll choose a style for five seconds and then stop. Like yeah. you can't. I don't know. I wish that it had been one or the other kind of, but yeah. also I was just like, LOL, they're definitely standing on like a rotating turntable for this. Yeah, which is standard for like that kind of shot. Yeah. But but they weren't so, the whole you time. You want it to be stylized because they look so stylized and uh, the shots just don't reflect that most of the time. Yeah. Okay. So I think that's basically what I have for bad, but now for like the problematic slash deeper parts. So can we start with some Mrs. Lovett? Yeah. I mean, I didn't even really write anything for I this. I have kind of a lot. Yeah. So go with me on this journey. So first of all, I just want to say that with the complexity of the way that Helena was playing this character, I had a lot of questions. So like, for example, the way that she plays when she gets the idea to make the meat pies out of human meat, like her, the way she plays it makes you wonder, does she actually want to do this? Or did she think of this idea because she knew it would delight Sweeney Todd and she wants to pull him out of the void? Because right before that, he like yelled at her and like was being like an Mm -hmm. asshole. And I kind of feel like that carries through like her entire character. It's like, what is she doing for herself? And what is she doing like for him? And also like everything she does for him, she's secretly kind of doing for herself because she like loves him. I feel like it's actually a great representation of like codependency. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's kind of what, that's what you just described. Yeah, basically. Is like, it it could be like a symbol for a codependent relationship where you think you're going to sort, you think you're going to fix someone. Like she feels oh, like she totally thinks she's she feels fix like him. she can fix him. Yeah. Like, Oh, if he, if I could just do this for him, if I could just yep. let all these really bad things he's doing slide mm-hmm. and like repurpose it into a thing that is kind of productive in a yeah. way, like it can be a good thing. Like she's like rationalizing how yeah. shitty he she's is. Like we could have a life from this and everything. Yeah, Cause she just wants, um, she wants like a relationship with yeah. him and he is far too mentally gone to do that. Yeah. Um, but it also, I feel like carries through symbolically to her end as well, because yes. what happens yes. when you don't take care of yourself? Like what happens yep. when you, uh, only are concerned with the issues of another person Yeah, and you like, don't think about your wants. Yeah. You know, yes. she gets fu- thrown in the fucking yes. furnace. Well, but but I have a question about that too, because so in everything I saw online, they were like, yeah, so Mrs. Lovett gets killed in the end because she lied to Sweeney Todd about his wife actually being dead. Like, and Sweeney Todd accidentally kills, Lucy is the name of his real wife. Like Sweeney accidentally kills Lucy, realizes it's her, and then it kills Mrs. Lovett because in the beginning, Mrs. Lovett had said that she was dead. And like, I... Th- I'm just confused. But she knows that she doesn't know for a fact that she's dead. She just knows she had poison. Well, here's the thing. It, to me, it seems like she knew for a fact that she definitely wasn't mentally there anymore. Yeah. So it was right. like, and she claims that she was trying to like save his feelings by mm-hmm. being like, oh, she died or like whatever. She never said she it's died. Both. It's, it's both. It's both. But it's so like, I want to know like more about that. You know, yeah. like that's like a really interesting choice. For who? For the writer of this? Yeah, and like of the way, and the way she's playing it too. It's like, because the way she acts it, she's genuinely like, I only did it for you. And like, you really believe her? But she didn't. She did it for herself and she did it, it's both. Like you can be kind and manipulative at the same time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess that's true. Like it can be both. Yeah. 
I feel like that's kind of what it is. I just thought that that was really interesting. Like I wanted more of that. Um, or like, it's just way too short. It's all of this comes in, in the last 20 minutes. Yes. And it's like, well, why can't we spread this out? Why can't we like plant the seeds of this more? Yes. But they don't. Yeah. And also it's just really sad to me. I mean, I, okay. Unfortunately, unrequited love things. I just really, it's emo shit. I enjoy it. It's emotionally intense. And I just really noticed this time around that like the only time that Sweeney Todd would ever really engage with her and like be happy and have fun with her is when they were cooking up something extremely fucked up. Yeah. And so she was like, oh, let me keep coming up with fucked up things. So he'll like keep liking me. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, damn, like that's so. That's so real. Yeah. It's like weirdly real. Yeah. And it just really, it emotionally resonated with me. It's just something that um I I mean, I hardly remember seeing the show, but it's something I definitely did not think of from watching the show. Yeah. Because usually I feel like Mrs. Lovett isn't played the same. She's not as like vulnerable. She's not so vulnerable. And like, yeah. you don't necessarily see her as as much as like a real love interest for him. Yes. For Sweeney. Yes. But in this you do. And you also in the song, whatever the song is um, that she sings, like, wouldn't it, what is it? Uh, Where she's like, we can be together. By the sea? Yeah. Yeah. The way that I really like how Tim Burton shot it because you're in her head. Like, this is how it could be. This is what I want. Why are we getting the Mrs. Lovett I want song at the end? I know. It's so sad. Well, and I also, again. She's not the main character. That part. I love that even in her fantasy, he's still a piece of shit. Like, that was really funny. Like, he's just like pouting in every single set. Like, I loved that. But, okay. So, there's a lot there. Love her, weirdly love this character. But the thing, well, here's a little like bridge. So I thought it was really interesting how like Sweeney Todd, Sweeney and Mrs. Lovett's like actual goals are secretly really similar. Like Sweeney wants his family and he wants revenge, but like it's because he wants his family and like she, she really wants, a, wants family. a family, but the way that they want it is super different. And it's just kind of tragic that like they do just want like normal things, like normal, like life trappings and like neither of them can get it. And I was like, why is it that like his desire or his need for his family or like to avenge his family is like inherently okay or like it it dismisses all the behavior that he does, which is obviously insane. Whereas hers is like her downfall. I guess that's both of their downfall. Oh, for but sure. Hers is like played as like a joke almost. And his is like the core of the entire story. Well, he's the main character. And I know. She's I just, just not the main character. I just want her to be the main character really badly. <laughs> okay. Here's my real thing. I also, side note, I don't know that they're, I don't think they're really dismissing the behavior. It's just that the style of the show is so insane right. that you have to, yeah. like you can't yeah. take all this on. No, Totally. Okay, and then, so, really the thing that was striking me so much when I was watching it this time is that somehow this story manages to make the rape and alleged murder of a whole-ass person just the tragic backstory for a dude. Like, for Sweeney Todd, you know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. his entire, like, deal, it's like, it's never about it just, it's just very like male centered in a way that's like, okay, there was like actual sexual assault and like actual like 
murder and abduction happening. And it's never about, you never hear anything about what Lucy was actually like, other than the fact that she was like pretty and virtuous. Same thing with Joanna. Like you don't actually get to know these people at all. It's just all about his But I his also don't feel feelings. I got to know him either. I think the show lacks in characterization. Yeah. In an extreme way. And because this, like that doesn't bother me because it's like, well, yeah, of course it's like that. Like, it's like, I wouldn't see it any other way, well, I guess. I think I think the thing that really made me realize it, though, is that scene I was talking about earlier where he's singing the song about um, Joanna and he's like murdering all these people. And he's like talking about how there's no way he's trying to justify to himself that he won't see her, like mm-hmm. like trying to convince himself that it's OK. And he's basically saying, like, she could never live up to my expectations of what she would be like. Mm-hmm. And so. I don't care basically while he's literally murdering people. And it just yeah. felt like a really funny and like, it was funny, but obviously it kind of speaks to the deeper issue or like the deeper thing to the story, which is that it's like, he's really self-centered. Like he's really, really, mm-hmm. really, really, really self-centered and is totally unaware, like 100% unaware. And I know that's the point of the story, but there's moments where it's just like, holy shit, if they had played this like 20% campier, it would be less annoying that it's like this. But like there were actual people that were harmed and assaulted. I don't know. But then it's like at the same, it's like who, like it's because okay, what you're saying kind of reminds me of how I felt after I watched American Psycho. Okay. Um, Which have you seen? You already know. Okay. So. God, if you watch American Psycho, you'll under, if you've seen both of those movies, you'll understand what I'm saying, but like, it has the tendency to for sure piss off women. And, um, Mm -hmm. he's as described an American Psycho. He's like a, a, have you ever seen like the, his like beauty regime sequence where he's like peeling the face mask and doing the workout and all this stuff. So he's like a super meticulous, um, overachieving businessman, mm-hmm. but he also kills women. Yeah. Um, and like the film's directed by a woman. Right. And like you get to the end and you're like, you see it's directed by a woman. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> you're like, okay, interesting. Because when you're watching it, you're like, fuck this movie. But yeah. like it is interesting and it yeah. doesn't make the film. You Sometimes you just have to turn off that part, try to turn off the part of your brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is like doing this. Mm-hmm. It's so difficult though to well, do. Also with this, that's, this is what we do. Yeah. So it's like. But it's like just because it's a man doing it and the, the thing is whatever, 10, 20, mm-hmm. 30 years old. So was that man truly being like centered in this story back when it was written? Like for what reason? Like what are the, what's the context? Mm -hmm. But now it's like, I think I've almost come full circle to the point where Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, but I can appreciate, like just because it's a man, I shouldn't not appreciate it as art. Like these type of men exist. Yeah. Like if we can get in their heads, it's probably a good thing. (laughs) Yeah. 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 You know? No, it's true. It's true. I'm not trying to. Obviously not these specific. No, not like demon barbers. No, (laughs) like we'll pass on that. But like that, that core mental idea. Yeah. Like it's totally out there. I, I totally agree with you. I think yes. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm just, I'm just pointing out that there is overall a really huge 
and unquestioned theme of like ownership of women. Mm-hmm. But look at the time period. That's what right, was this going on. But this wasn't made. It wasn't made in the period. I, really just what I'm saying is like, because it also, it also even happens with the, with like the young guy when he's like, I'll steal you, Joanna. Mm-hmm. It's like, they're doing the same thing. Like yeah, he's kind of doing the same thing. But that does reflect the time period of when the show takes place. Like w- ownership of women. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. It just really struck me this time and it hadn't struck me before, I guess. Is yeah. Really what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. And like, there's a lot of, there's. It's not a romantic show. No, but, but, but I will say though, like they definitely marketed it as mm. that sort of like a tragic love story type thing. I mean, obviously a slasher it's too. A tragedy. It's not, it's not a love story. No, but like, again, to like the hot topic shopping masses, like obviously you're putting Johnny Depp and Helena Bonham Carter next to each other. Yeah. People are going to make mm-hmm. that connection, you know? So like Edward Scissorhands is way more of a love story. Like in oh regards to like, that I haven't seen that thing. movie in so long. I would actually love to do that movie too. I loved that movie when mm-hmm. I was like in middle school. Yeah. It's it like, in that era. probably make you cry. Probably. It's, it's kind of like, an improved upon type of tragedy yeah. <laughs> version of like Sweeney Todd yeah, in a definitely. way. Definitely. Um, okay. So let's talk about favorite moments. I couldn't say, I, we can skip the whole. Wait, but I, I have them. Oh, Audrey's a hater. I just don't like, I generally do like Sondheim music, mm-hmm. but none of the songs in this show, except for, I think what I said, my favorite line, if I had to pick like a favorite line to sing, it was just the most memorable one to me, mm-hmm. which is nothing's going to harm you. Not while I'm around. That's yeah. it. Okay. Julie Andrews, <laughs> the Julie Andrews interpretation. Um, that's a beautiful song. Yeah. Um, I think it's like the only sweet reprieve of the whole thing. I know. And that's also a whole thing with Mrs. Lovett too. Her like, she wants to have a child. She gets this child. Then she like makes this child suffer because she can't stand up to Sweeney Todd and like actually do mm-hmm. anything. It's so fucked up. Um, but okay. Favorite choreo is the swivel shots for me. Love that. Oh, I didn't even count that. <laughs> I'm counting that because I never have opinions on choreography. I said so no choreo. I'm counting that. There's a lot of um, walking around. There's a lot of walking around. <laughs> uh, similar to rent. Um, yeah. Favorite line to sing is probably... Do they think that walls could hide you? Even now I'm at your window. I am in the dark beside you. Buried sweetly in your yellow hair. I just like tenor love songs. Mm-hmm. Um, the His melodies are so consistent. Like you can take that melody and turn it into like any other Yeah, show. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. Least favorite song. Definitely my friends. That song's a fucking flop. Yeah. Um, it also slows the story down so hard. Yeah. It's like crazy how hard it slows it down. And then favorite song is definitely the one, the Joanna song that's when he Todd sings when he's murdering all the people. It's really good. Did we even hear like I actually don't even remember if we heard like the theme song. Sweeney Todd. It's not the in demon it. Barbara Fleet. It's Street. not in it's it. It's not even in it. Isn't that weird? Why would they not? Because they didn't want to have like a Greek chorus type thing. They should have. I know, but maybe it would have I been saw interesting. when I was researching, they were planning to, and then they got their production schedule cut down and they had to cut it. 
So when you see this, so again, this is another situation. That's the other only song I know. Yeah. This is another situation where you should see a production of it if you can, because yeah. it's like way more fleshed out. But so, I also think Greek choruses in movies are a little bit of a reach. So depending on how they're done. Yeah. But like, that's like the song. Yep. Like <laughs> the show is like so much more atmospheric. Yeah. Like there's a lot more going for it musically. And yeah, like the fact that um in the movie, we just have Lucy, uh, that's her name, right? Yeah. Lucy, the like solo alone beggar woman. Yep. There is one. Right. But in the show, there's like hordes. There's tons. Yeah. And it's like way more immersive. You understand the type of environment they're in. Like yeah. this is not, and I really felt that it was barren. Like it was just so bare bones. There were like no characters. No in this. characters, <laughs> just like no songs, just like no items. Just lots of just, like pale people staring. Uh, yeah. Kind of. No items. <laughs> <laughs> there's like three items. No, yeah, like. This totally could have been a house that's like hoarder vibes. Like a, like, yeah, it could have been that. Yeah. Why is she so minimalistic? I don't know. It's Do like a question? barren set. It's weird. It is weird. Barren like her womb. No, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Oh my God. Imagine that. That like, could be subplot. the idea. Hmm? I'm sure he thought about it a lot. Dang. She definitely thought about it. Yeah. Wow. I'm not trying to shit on people that try really hard to make good art. Because they yeah. do. And like, I appreciate that. But yes. it is just fun to question their motives. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It is fun to question their motives. But in general, did I think it was worth watching? Yes. Because it's visually interesting. It's very spooky. It's good for this time of year. And like, it, it delivers on what it promises to do. And if you watch it, especially when you were younger, you should definitely watch it again because it is very interesting to watch as an older person, I have to say. Yeah, it's going to hit different for sure. You don't really see codependent themes when you're yeah. 11. The whole thing <laughs> is a codependency thing, though, which is super interesting. Yeah. Thank you, Helena Bonham Carter, for your complexity and yeah. your acting. We really appreciate it. Okay. Do we got anything else to say? Nope. Okay. Well, thank you so much for listening as always. Um, we have some exciting things in the works. We are in the process of producing a merchandise line Ooh, that should, as long as things go according to plan, should be available for um, like holiday time. So like gifts for your friends and stuff. Um, it's designed by Joey Sunny, who is a listener of the show and truly a legend living legend um they have come up with like the cutest ideas for stuff yeah, like you guys are gonna you're love gonna it die. you're gonna die it's really really cute and really clever and we promise it will not be too expensive and if you if we do end up not making it for holiday i hope you buy it anyway yeah <laughs> just do it in like january but we're really gonna try to make it happen for holiday yeah. so um please give that a look when we have it we will obviously keep teasing things about it, it as we go and if you responded to our instagram story a few weeks ago saying you wanted a sticker yeah they're coming they're coming yeah i've been mailing them yes so look out for yes. that yes yes um and we thank you as always i think we only have like two more episodes of this season three Ish. or yeah maybe just yeah we just have two. a few more left um yeah we're closing out the musical half of the season we will definitely do more musicals in life um but we're basically done now so or at least for this season so thank you for listening as always we hope you have a great halloween i know or you're having a great halloween time yeah it's not yet halloween when you're hearing this i hope you're doing fall things we have very little time to do fall things we like, have been it comes doing and goes we've been doing way too much shit also 
Yes. We haven't had time to be festive. No, that's why when I get home on Monday, I'm kicking it into overdrive. Yeah, I really want to be a great fairy from Breath of the Wild for Halloween, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to pull it together fast enough. I'm going to be the prom or I guess homecoming. I don't remember which. The dance look that Jen, that Megan Fox wears at the end of Jennifer's body. That's I, we should, well, if you, if you dress as something that's a little more relevant to sleepover, then we could post them. I have been, um, I've been Paulette before we could always just, yeah, yeah. Just repost that, that would work. Yeah. Yeah. I had a good Paulette costume like two years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, side note, leave us a review if you haven't. Yes. Please. I haven't had to make a custom song. I know I, ma- I made you all uncomfortable, but I'm just <laughs> no. saying I can do something else. We can, um, we can, oh, we could, well, the, well, we don't know you well enough. It depends on who you are, but maybe we could dreamcast you in a reboot or something. Oh yeah, that's good. That would be fun. We'll do anything, anything for love. <laughs> all right. All right. We're going to go continue to explore the resort in Arizona. Pretend to be Bella Swan. In Arizona. Go cup some tiny cactus. I need to go hold a cactus. Exactly. Okay, bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs>You can find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com slash sleepover dash cinema and keep up with our latest creative projects at twopingpictures.com. If you want to watch our show as well as listen, we're on YouTube too. Search sleepover cinema or go to the link tree in our Instagram bio. We're on Instagram and Twitter at twopingpictures and would love to hear from you there. We're also on TikTok at sleepover cinema and that's really where the party is at. And if you like the show, if it brings back evocative memories of childhood or tweendom or babysitting, share the episode with a few friends. Leave us an iTunes review telling us what movie you'd like to see us cover next and leave us a review if you like the show. And if you don't, don't. Sleepover Cinema is a production of Evergreen Podcasts, produced, edited, and engineered by us, Hannah, and Audrey Leach. Sleepover Cinema is mixed by Sean Rule Hoffman with theme music by Josh Perlman Hall. Special thanks to executive producers Michael D'Aloya and David Moss. We'll chat again soon. Bye. We are gathered here today to give you permission to plan the wedding that you want. I'm Jessica Bishop. And I'm Sari Wienerman. And we're the hosts of the Bouquet Toss podcast. Today's couples have to juggle so many things from family expectations to outdated traditions and what's currently trending. So to make it easier, we're going deep to figure out why we do weddings the way that we do so you can decide what to keep and what to toss from your wedding day plans. You are cordially invited to subscribe to The Bouquet Toss wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcast.com. By the power vested in us, we pronounce you free to plan your day your way. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.